the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thinking about health care these days? Well, you're not alone. And it seems that getting real information about the state of our medical system is tough to come by. That's why you've come to the right place with Dr. Bill, your radio MD. He's got the answers because he's a doctor. I said he's a doctor and he wants to hear from you right now. 877-969-8600. This is AM860, The Answer. And now, it's time for Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD, coming at you on 860 AM, The Answer. We are at, if you want to Google us, am860theanswer.com. That's am860theanswer.com. You can listen to me anywhere in the world if you have a computer and a headset for your computer or speakers. Oh, boy. So I'm your international, Dr. Bill. We're also an iHeart station. And I finally have put together a decent website at drbillradiomd.com. That's drbillradiomd.com. It's going to be a little bit before I get it fine-tuned, and the store will not open until probably after the beginning of the year when we have some money to buy some some goodies and uh, start making a little cash on this deal and maybe putting a little bit away for charity as well. But I'm grateful for everything that you've done for me over the years, folks, and uh, I'm here for you. Listen, I'm going to go pretty quick this morning because I want to talk about the uh, the new health care bill that the Senate's pushing through, the uh, Cassidy-Graham bill, or Graham-Cassidy bill, as they call it. Now, why are they doing this all of a sudden, and why does this have to be done by the 1st of October? Well, of course, they're pushing this through because the conservatives – uh, in Congress are saying you got to do something because we haven't achieved our goals that we have set for ourselves. And the Republicans have set for one of their goals to uh, undo Obamacare. So that's a, a pressing issue. And there's a combination of Republican legislative strategies and some uh, arcane Senate procedures uh, and rules that they have to live by. Uh, what, what a comes down to is that it, on October 1st, the fiscal year for the federal government ends and a new one begins, or September 30th, it ends, and October 1st, it begins again. So because of parliamentary rules that the Senate lives by, yes, even a, a body that is legislative has to have rules that it lives by when it's deciding what the legislation is. So parliamentary rules, like Robert's Rules of Orders, are used. Uh, they're used by most organizations that have a legal structure and have to uh, have a legislative body that, like a board of directors, that has to enact and act. And there has to be a way in which these people can behave and and in which they can vote and bring things to uh, the table for consideration, so on and so forth. So because of the rules, it's, it's going to die the – 60, the uh, the simple majority of 51 
percent or 51 senators to pass a bill will die come October 1st. And then Mitch McConnell will have to redo what he did last year, which was take the nuclear option. And it becomes much more uh, burdensome. And then he's got to realign all of his people with him. So this needs to be done before October 1st when our new fiscal federal fiscal year begins. Why don't we have a fiscal year that's the same as most of us, which is a calendar year? That's the way the government is. So we just got to accept it. So the Senate has until September 30th to approve the Graham-Cassidy bill with a simple majority vote of 51 senators rather than the 60 that's needed for most legislation as agreed upon in previous years by the Senate, part of their rules. Now, we've had seven years of this nonsense And it's time to undo Obamacare. And you say, well, this is not going to completely undo it. No, there's nothing that's going to completely undo Medicaid that's been with us for, what, 50 years now. That was in the 1960s that 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 came in. That's not going away. But what we want to see done and what the Senate is trying to do is to kick it back to the states with block grants and let the states, with oversight from the federal government, take care of this and let them decide, give them some discretion and make them accountable, hold them accountable. Right now, many of the states are getting funded, not on the number of people that are in Medicaid or chips or uh, the, uh, the exchange program, but rather on the number of eligible people. So we're paying states to take our money and not spend it on what it's supposed to be spent upon, which is criminal. I mean, it's just criminal. And so we need to get this passed this this month before the first of next month. And by the way, the Senate chamber, their traditional wisdom is that they only consider one piece of legislation, priority legislation at a time under their reconciliation rules. And so the Senate parliamentarian who helps interpret the chamber's mind-bending rules said the GOP's reconciliation instructions would end at September 30th. And so everybody has to do what the parliamentarian says. Otherwise, you're going to have chaos. So this is a big deal, and it has to be done now. And we need, if McCain will not come our way, then he needs to abstain. As for Rand Paul, somebody needs to take that boy and lock him up somewhere because he's a whack job. I don't know who led him in medical school, and I don't know how he has the gall to call himself a physician. Uh, it's just its unbelievable, the things that he says and does. You say, well, what about fiscal responsibility? Well, you know what? There's a lot, a lot of money going into the federal government, and there's, as we all know, a fair amount of waste as well. But at least under this Graham-Cassidy bill, it'll be kicked back to the states, and the states will have to abide by stricter rules to enroll people into Medicaid, as well as stricter rules on how the states will be funded by these block grants. Now, this is a bunch of baloney when they tell you that 20 million people are going to be without coverage. That is nonsense. I did the math. In 2020, which will be the end date of the phase-out of uh, Obamacare, there's going to be block grants available. And this is a big sum of money. 
$136 billion, billion, 136 billion will be available in 2020, and that will go up to 200 billion dollars by 2025. Now, I did the math, and Bill and I have been talking about this off and on over the years, and I've used a benchmark of 5,000 dollars to purchase a basic health care plan, like an HMO plan, for a patient, for you or for me. And if you divide that. $5,000 a year into the block grant of $136 billion, you're getting 27 million people that are insured. Even if you increase it to $6,000 a year per person for a very basic health care plan, you're still getting over 20 million people that are going to continue to be insured. And the president has made it very clear over and over again that he's not going to sign any bill that doesn't take care of people in the interim there. And there are going to be emergency funds available as well. Tens of billions of dollars are available to help the states make the bridge over the next two or three years into the new plan. So the press, the left wing, the socialist, the communist, whatever you want to call them, the progressives, all the same. You know, it's all communism light. It's all a bunch of baloney. The New York Times, they're all pumping out all this stuff, and all it is is nonsense. The Obamacare bill, as I said, from way, way early on, before there was even a bill that had passed, I said this was going to be an expansion of Medicaid and another way to redistribute the wealth of the country. So let's get it back to the states, and don't let anybody tell you that somebody is not going to be insured. They will be insured. There will probably be more people insured under this plan because the states will have discretion in determining how the money will be spent to a certain degree. They'll have to meet certain federal regulations. And, of course, the Department of Health and Human Services is going to oversee that and make sure that all of the plans and all of the HMOs and all of the clinics that are set up by the state will meet these basic regulations. Now, one of the first things that the conservatives have been yelling for, and I agree with this not on any religious basis, uh, but on philosophical basis that I've talked about before, is that this new Senate bill will not fund any insurance plan that the states participate in or set up that will pay for abortions, except in the instances of saving the mother's life, rape and incest. So a lot of the plans that Obamacare pushed out there had mandatory coverage for abortions on demand. And this will not fund any, the new bill will not fund any abortion clinics, whether they're nonprofit or for-profit. And that's okay with me. And I think that's a big selling point for the conservatives, for the religious right, uh, even though I don't agree with the theology of it, the philosophy of it is what I go on, and I, I just have a basic respect for all life. And I know that at the moment of conception, there is some level of consciousness within within that embryo, and I think that it's important that we respect that whether it's the life of a tree and not that I'm a tree hugger because I know we need to have trees, but I think that we need to respect all life. And this is one way in which we can show it. 
So this is going to be a big deal and a big part of it, and it's mentioned first and foremost. So there's going to be uh, recapture of the excess advance premium tax credits. So if you're one of these people that were getting tax credits because you were over 135 or 38% of the poverty level, but under 200% of the poverty level as defined by the federal government, and you were getting money back to help pay for your premiums, if you got more than you were supposed to get back, the IRS is coming after it. There's going to be modification and repeal of premium tax credits. So the premium tax credits are going to go away. So if you had a premium plan and those were plans that were over ten or $12,000 a year, there was a small tax on that. And they're going to be uh, modified and eventually they'll be gone completely as of 2020, January 1, 2020. Now, that didn't affect the overwhelming majority of us, but there are some of my friends who are doctors and they have these so-called Cadillac plans and they were paying an extra percent tax because of that. However, it is not going to change the tax on the rich. That will stay. So if you make over 200000 or if you and your spouse together make over $250,000, they will continue to be, there will continue to be the tax that was imposed by Obamacare, and that is not going away. So the, the, the rich are not getting off in, in this deal. So the businesses, however, are going to come out better because there's modification and repeal of the small business tax credits. So if you didn't have health insurance for your employees and you fell into the number of employees that qualified you as a plan that had to have health care insurance and you didn't have it, then you were getting hit with some extra taxes. And that'll be gone. The individual mandate will be gone. So you do not have to have insurance. You will not be fined for not having insurance. And this will go back to the beginning of 2016. So the employer mandate and the individual mandate is going to be gone. There will be short-term assistance for states and certain health care programs. And this would add some new subsections to the current uh, uh, Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, $10 billion for the uh, fiscal year 2019 and 15 for 2020. And that is part of the transition from what we now have into what we will have under this new plan by 2020. So a couple of years of, of transition and there will be money available and more funds will be made available by the Congress. I don't have any concerns or worries about that. Nobody's going to be left out. The new subsections would direct the CMS administration administrator to issue guidance to health insurance companies regarding how to submit their notice of intent to participate in these programs. And, of course, there's going to be some time frames on this, and, and so it gets everybody's butt up and moving. There'll be a procedure to determine how the funds will be distributed, and the states can use these funds for a number of different vehicles that fall within the respective directions of this new bill. 
and that will be overseen by CMS, which is part of Health and Human Services. CMS is the Center for Medicare and Medicaid. So CMS is Medicare and Medicaid. So you'll hear me saying CMS, that's Medicare, Medicaid, the center, the federal government's branch that runs directly Medicare and Medicaid or indirectly. Actually, they farm most of the of the scut work out to the states and the states find people to do it like Aetna or United Healthcare or some other insurance company that has expertise in this area and they, they bid on the uh, ability to do this if they want to. So the states have to submit their applications. They have to submit their applications in a timely manner. And again, there's going to be block funds appropriated by Congress and this will be adjusted for inflation as well, starting in 2020. So in 2020, again, there's going to be $136 billion, and by 2026, $200 billion. So if you use Dr. Bill's formula, if you're even liberal, more liberal than I am, and say $6,000 per person per year for basic Medicaid health insurance or basic HMO, if you can't afford a plan, then you're talking about 20 million minimum people who will be covered. So don't believe anybody when they tell you that the new bill is going to leave people out. It is not. It will not. That's a lie. That's a lie that the left is making up. That's a lie that we have to combat. And again, from the 2018 to 2020 two-year stretch, there'll be funds available to help people who will not be able to get uh, a plan through the exchanges. It's not going to be a huge number of people. The left has way overblown the number of people that are utilizing these services. Most people who get it don't keep it. And in addition, this new bill will allow you to get a catastrophic plan. There was no provision for that in Obamacare. And Bill and I have been yelling about this on the radio for the past 10 years now, Bill. I think it's been that we have been saying that we need catastrophic coverage. Why does my 21-year-old son, once he, or let's say he's 27 and he moves out and he's healthy, why does he need to pay twelve, fourteen, sixteen thousand dollars $16,000 a year for health care he's never going to use? Let him pay one or two grand a year, and it'd be a catastrophic plan that kicks in after twenty or twenty-five thousand dollars out of pocket. And that way, if he's in a serious automobile accident and in the intensive care unit for weeks or months, he'll be covered. The hospitals won't get stiffed completely, and the doctors will get a little bit for their work. There's no reason to make these young, healthy kids and young adults pay exorbitant fees for something they're never going to use. I mean, that's the cost of buying a new car. So what are you going to do? You're going to tell these kids, you have to buy a new car, but you can't drive it, or you don't need it. You already have a car, but we're going to make you buy another one. Nonsense. Let's get rid of this. Let's undo this quickly, as quickly as we can. And I'm telling Rand Paul and John McCain, if you're listening to me, you better heed this. And Senator McCain, we all have great respect for you and what you've done throughout your lifetime, but it's time to stand down, sir. 
It's time to stand down and let's move on. Let's get the federal government defederalized and get it back to the states. Let's get some sanity in this. Let's quit redistributing the wealth through these nonsense programs. And let's expand Medicaid on a need basis rather than on an Obama plan to kick more money to the left-wing liberal states that voted for him. This plan will make it so that you have to have people enrolled, not just eligible, so there'll be a push by the states to enroll eligible people so that they can get adequate funding. And if people don't opt to enroll or are resistant for one reason or another, they won't be enrolled. And the states are not going to pay for it, nor should they, nor should you and I. We are paying for this out of our pocket. But there'll be plenty for everybody, at a minimum, of course. And you say, well, how are we going to find doctors who will accept all of this? You know what? We're going to have to expand our physician extender programs. <clears throat> and the physician extenders are the nurse practitioners and the physician assistants who are uh, trained beyond that of a regular nurse, but not to the full level of a board-certified internal medicine or family practice doctor. But they can do most of the basic health care. They can manage high blood pressure and diabetes and high cholesterol. They can refer patients out for abnormal chest x-rays and EKGs. They can do all the things that family practice uh, doctors are now doing. Now, there's going to be a formula, and the press says, oh, this is complicated. Well, it's complicated if you can't do any math. But it, I've looked at it. It's really not that complicated. It's going to look at your previous years, at the state's previous year's allotment. It's going to add to that the maximum allotment that will be allowed in 2026. It's going to divide. It's going to subtract the base of 2020, and it's going to divide that, and it'll give us a factor. It's going to divide it by six because it's the six years between 2000 and 2020 and 2026. It's not all that complicated. It's going to look at the number of eligible beneficiaries between 50% and 138% of the federal poverty level. So let's say the federal poverty level for one person is, uh, I'd just say it's 12,000. So if you're up to 138% of that 12,000 as a single individual, which is going to be what around uh, $14,000, $15,000 a year, then you'll qualify. But you're going to have to make some effort. You're going to have to get enrolled. You're going to have to choose an HMO. And for those who are capable of working, those who are not pregnant, those who are not disabled, those who are not too old or kids under 20 or 21, you're going to have to work. You're going to have to show that you're working at least part-time in order to get Medicaid. This is a wonderful thing. This is a beautiful thing. It's going to get the bums off the state welfare tit. And that's what we want. We want them off. 
We want these. We want to help people, but we want to see them helping themselves. And here is a great stimulus right here, right now. This Senate bill this week must pass in order to move forward with what you and I know is a moral and economic and spiritual and physical necessity, and that is you got to work to eat. you got to do something. If you want us to help, and we're glad to help, you got to put out a little bit of effort on your own. You've got to find a plan. You've got to decide which HMO you want to join if there's a choice of two or three in your area and you're on Medicaid. You have to go sign the forms, fill out the applications. It's not my job to do that for you. That's why we have schools to teach us how to read and write. And it's your job to find some meaningful work in order to stay on the plans. You're going to have to find meaningful work. You're going to have to show some income. You're going to have to participate in some way. And I've said this, and Bill's heard me say this over and over over the past years. I don't care if it's $100 a year you have to pay. You have to pay something into the system in order to take benefits out. You can't be like these left-wing loonies who sit on their butt and prognosticate and talk about the workers and how abused they are. Meanwhile, all they do is sit and eat and espouse communism. It's time to boot them out. So there's going to be a fairly simple mathematical formula. Nobody's going to be left out. There's going to be money. And the enrollment formula is blended with the already eligible population as it's being phased out. So the enrollment factor accounts for, say, 25% in 2024. It'll be up to 75% by 2026. This is not going to just all of a sudden dump everybody out on the street with no health care coverage. There's going to be a risk adjustment formula, which we have already with Medicare. So if you take care of higher-risk patients and you use higher-risk codes, you're going to get paid a little bit more than the guy who's just seeing or the gal who's just seeing earaches and sore throats. And that's how it should be. That's how it should be. So Medicaid is going to be morphed more into the form of what Medicare is now. That's good. There's going to be quality measures that you have to meet. There's going to be uh, performance standards that you have to meet. And I just came back from one of our meetings yesterday in which we went over what the federal government is looking at for quality indicators for the coming year for our Medicare patients. They want to know, have they been immunized for the flu, for pneumonia? Have they gotten their flu and pneumonia shots? Have you started your patients who are capable of taking a statin and have diabetes or high blood pressure or heart disease or cholesterol levels over a certain level? Have you talked to them and offered them and tried to get them on a statin drug, rosuvastatin, simvastatin, so on and so forth? These are some of the quality measures that the government wants us to do and to address with our patients, and we should. And it should be the same exact thing for Medicaid. Yes, Medicaid is generally going to be a younger population, but there are plenty of people in the young population who have bad cholesterol, and it needs to be mandated that physicians address this with them because it prevents 
problems later in life. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Statins are the best and strongest antioxidant that we have for people with high cholesterol. And they should be started on it. And this is a good thing that Medicaid is going to morph into this Medicare mold and start making the doctors and the healthcare clinics address these issues and the hospitals too. The hospitals have to address the Medicare mandates, the Medicare quality measures now, and Medicaid should have to do the same thing. I know in our hospital, everybody's treated the same. Although the quality measures come from Medicare, they apply to Medicaid, they apply to privately insured, they apply to self-pay. Again, there's going to be prohibitions on using block grant funds for health insurance coverage for abortion, except when there's rape or incest or to save the mother's life. And this should make the, the right happy. This is important. If you're on the left and you think this is a travesty, there's really not that much money being sent into, into paying for abortions. But the perception of it is something that the left feels is vitally important. You know what? George Soros can fund it. He's got more than enough money. If he can fund all these communists who are coming in to stir up the, the, the country and block a, our free speech, and this is one of the big deals that they're talking about, well, he can fund it. Let him do it. Now, here's a good thing. The health savings accounts, as I've been saying, along with Bill, for the past several years, and by the way, the president campaigned on this, increase the health saving count, health savings accounts, maximum limits. They're going up right now. There are two to 3000, depending on whether you're a single or family, they're somewhere in that range. Don't hold me to the exact numbers, but they're going to go up so that if you have say a $5,000 deductible, then you can use some of your health savings account to pay for health care that you receive before your deductible kicks in. This is tremendous. So if you have a $5,000 deductible, you can put an additional $5,000 into your health savings account. You can use that to buy health care. You can use it to buy medications. You can use it for a number of things. It's, it's being expanded. The health savings accounts are being expanded to allow us to purchase any number of healthcare related items, including our health insurance, which is what I have been screaming about. And here it is, here it is, here it is. All right, listen, I got to take a break. I'm getting too worked up. I'm going to go grab a cup of Joe. You do the same thing. We'll all be right back in a couple of minutes. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. President Trump is expected to announce new restrictions on travel to the U.S. as his ban on visitors from six Muslim-majority countries ends today, 90 days after it went into effect. The Department of Homeland Security has recommended Mr. Trump sign off on new, more targeted restrictions on people from countries it says refuse to share sufficient information with the U.S. or haven't taken necessary security precautions. Officials have not said which countries the measures might affect. Chancellor Angela Merkel of Germany, widely expected to win a fourth term in office. Germans are voting today 
We'll probably see the results flowing in here in about six or seven hours. And the earthquake in Mexico has affected immigrant communities around the U.S., people frantically trying to connect with their loved ones in the shattered country. They're sending money and food as well. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full-service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of Can Care, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill for West Coast Radiology. Our good friends at West Coast Radiology offer convenient and comprehensive x-ray diagnostics, including open MRI, CT scan, CT PET, mammography, and ultrasound. With state-of-the-art equipment and four convenient locations, you're assured of friendly, comprehensive care. Most insurance is accepted and competitive self-pay rates, plus Saturday appointments. Call West Coast Radiology at 727-771-2795. That's 727-771-2795. Back in 1993, MediShare was known as the best-kept secret in healthcare, but not anymore. Today, there are hundreds of thousands of Americans who've discovered what us long-timers have known since the beginning— MediShare is affordable health care that really works. The great thing is we're not an insurance company. We're a nonprofit community. Hundreds of thousands of honest, hardworking people who agree to share each other's medical bills. Every share goes to help a fellow member. And when we say affordable, we mean it's common for our members to save upwards of $500 a month. Best of all, MediShare is always open. You can join anytime. So how about now? Isn't it time you joined MediShare? Call 844-41-BIBLE to find out how much you can save on your health care. MediShare, now available in Montana. Call 844-41-BIBLE. That's 844-41-BIBLE. This is Charles Osgood for Exergen. You know, when our five kids were growing up, someone was always getting sick. But when you tried to take anybody's temperature, all chaos would break out. When you're struggling with a fussy, squirmy kid, there's no value in those old-fashioned thermometers we used to use. Now my grandkids have it easy. The Exergen Temporal Scanner has changed all that. Just swipe it over the forehead and you get a fast, accurate reading. You don't even have to wake them up. And it's so easy, even Grandpa can do it. Now that's what I call real value. Today, intervals of clouds and sunshine with a couple of showers and a thunderstorm this afternoon. The high will be 87. Tonight, partly cloudy with a low 75. Tomorrow, a mix of clouds and sun with a couple of more showers, mainly late, the high 90. Monday, mostly sunny, the high 91. That is your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Dan Pittman for AM 860, The Answer. MD. We're talking about this new Senate health care bill, the, I guess, Graham-Cassidy Act, as it's being called by the press, an attempt to 
not necessarily overturn all of Obamacare, but modify it and morph it into something that we like and we can use and is not going to be a, a giveaway and a redistribution of our wealth from the red states to the blue states or the blue states to the red states. It's not going to be based upon how many eligible people you have in your state for Medicaid, but upon how many you have enrolled. And it's not going to be, you're going to have to give back money that you took from the federal government if it's not being used appropriately, whether you're an individual or a state. And the state's going to have to justify what it gets from the federal block grant money by applying the rules and regulations of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, CMS. This is going to end the Obamacare era Medicaid expansion, the federal expansion. It's going to kick it back to the states. So if your state wants to have different rules for your Medicaid patients than my state does, and you want more people covered as long as you fall within the federal guidelines, that's your business. But the money's going to come out of your state's pocket, not out of mine. I'm going to get the money back for my state from what I paid. And that is only just right and fair. And you say, well, you know, you're richer than we are down there in Florida. Out here in California, we don't have your kind of money. Get real. You have the largest economy of any state in the union. Although you better watch out, Texas is going to overtake you here soon, boys and girls out there on the west left coast. So this plan is going to kick Medicaid back to the states and high-risk individuals back to the states who are not Medicaid eligible. And if the states want to somehow get them into a Medicaid HMO as part of the plan, good for them. That's, that's a wonderful thing. It's going to make the states stop take a look and be held accountable for the individuals that they are responsible for taking care of. The feds would make certain who and who could not qualify. And the Medicaid application reduces the retroactive treatment that Medicaid would cover and pay for different services. And the states are going to be forced to recertify each and every one of their Medicaid patients every six months to make sure that they're still eligible. So you can't go on a year-to-year -year basis and just keep churning away. And, and this is going to stop the states from cheating. And you say, oh, my God, my state cheats? Yes. Your state, your federal government, you, me, we're human beings. And if we think we can get away with a little something, a lot of times we will. So this is going to stop the cheating not only by the individuals, but also by the states. This is going to repeal the tax on the health savings accounts. There was a 15 and 10% tax for non-qualified expenses. No, this is not a big amount. So if you if you bought Kleenex and with your health savings account and you weren't supposed to, then you have to pay 15% tax on the Kleenex cost coming out of your account. It's not going to be a big amount, 
but it, it, it will make a statement. It will make a statement. It's going to get the federal government out of the, the business of micromanaging the way we save and spend our money. We don't need them to tell us how to spend our money. We need them to allocate those funds that we have paid in taxes into the federal government to our state and let us decide how to spend it. This new plan is going to repeal the medical device tax. And again, this was not a huge tax, but it was onerous in the abstract. And for small companies that are manufacturing medical devices, it added a little extra cost and made it a little bit harder for somebody to purchase a brace for their knee or an orthotic for their shoe. So that, that will be gone. I mean, look at, look at it this way. If you're a small business and you're manufacturing or selling medical devices like knee braces or orthotics or artificial limbs or whatever it is, you're already paying taxes as a business. You're paying income taxes, and if you're a pass-through, subchapter S, or you're an LLC or some other form, then you're paying taxes on your business personally. So this is ridiculous. Why should we be double taxed for doing what our business does? It doesn't make any sense. Get rid of it. I've had enough of it. It's also going to make uh, or rather repeal the and get rid of the uh, deduction for expenses allowable to Medicare Part D subsidies. So if your business is paying for Part D subsidies for your employees or for your retirees, then you can deduct this from your operating expenses. You can now purchase your health insurance from your health savings account. So if your health savings account has enough money in it to help pay your premiums on your health care insurance, you can do it through that. What does this do? Well, it indirectly makes our health insurance premiums tax deductible. You get it? The health savings accounts are now tax deductible. They're before tax profit in a business, and you can buy your premiums with this, which Obamacare did not let you do, and therefore you're essentially deducting indirectly the cost of your health care insurance. And if you have a catastrophic plan that has a five or $10,000 deductible, then you can put away an extra five or $10,000 into your health care plan. I mean, into your health savings account so that you can pay for your plan. I mean, my God, is this not simple? What is there to not understand about this? What is the New York Times talking about? They need to come down here to Florida and, and sit down and talk to me. It's all about me. It's all about me, Bill. My ideas. So the Primary Care Enhancement Act uh, will also be amended. And you'll be able to pay for primary care services. And it'll allow an eligible taxpayer enrolled in a high-deductible health plan to take a tax deduction for cash paid into their health savings account, just like I said. 
So, I mean, these are all wonderful things. And again, the maximal contribution limit for our health savings accounts is going to be increased as well. You'll be able to add on to that, again, the, the cost of your deductibles. We'll be able to make catch-up contributions just like we would in a retirement plan. And most people are going to say, what's a catch-up contribution? If you're a business, a business owner or you're self-employed, and you have uh, an IRA or uh, some kind of retirement vehicle within your company, you can have catch-up monies into the account if you're over a certain age. So let's say you're 62 and you haven't put much in, and you go to your boss and you say, I'd like to divert more of my income into my retirement plan. Then the actuarians and the accountants will sit down and figure out according to the federal rules, how much more you can put into your plan for retirement and be deducted out of your gross wages before taxes. Don't get me wrong. You still have to pay taxes when you start taking out your retirement plan. But for now, you have a tax deferment, and this is called catch-up. And you can now do, under this plan, we'll be able to do the same thing for our health savings account. So if we're in the hole, we're out of pocket, and we can show this, or our premiums are going up because we're getting older, then you'll be able to have a catch-up, and you can put more into your health savings account. This is a beautiful thing. This is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Now, you're not going to have to take into account whether your spouse is also covered by a health savings account. Your accounts can be additive, Aggregate contributions can be more than the annual contribution limit for family coverage. So if you work for company X and I work for company Y, and we each have a health savings account that allows us, say, $5,000 each, but the maximum for the family under the current law is 5000 then you're exempt from that. You get to take the whole 10000 as pre-tax money. So you got money for health care. And healthcare ain't getting any cheaper, folks. It is not getting any cheaper. So anything we can do to increase the amount of money that we can save in our health savings account to pay for our medical expenses and our premiums is a great thing. A great thing. And there's some rules for medical expenses incurred before the establishment of a health savings account because you can bet now that people are going to rush, if this passes, to start or increase their health savings accounts. And so there's going to be some rules for expenses incurred. I don't know if it's going back two or three months before it comes up. And uh, this will also apply to coverage beginning December 31st, 2017. Now, the exclusion from health savings account of highly of high deductible health plans, including coverage for abortions, this is amended to not allow health savings account funds to be used to pay for a high say you know high deductible health plan that provides coverage for abortions, again, except if necessary, to save the life of the mother 
or if the pregnancy is a result of rape or incest. So if you have a high deductible health insurance plan, five or $10,000 deductible that has a mandate or as part of it that it covers abortions, by the way, abortions don't cost that much. So you're not going to get anywhere near your deductible. So it's not going to make a lot of difference financially to anybody in the United States. But there's a moral statement, there's a philosophical and an intellectual statement being made by this. And this is good. This is good. We need to respect life. We need to respect our citizenry. We need to respect each other. And this starts at the most basic and fundamental level, which is at conception. It's just a basic respect for life. And by the way, that's why we're here. We're here to live, for those of you who missed that. doesn't have anything to do with God or the devil. doesn't have anything to do with what St. Francis or St. Augustine said 15, 1800, 1,000 years ago. doesn't have anything to do with what the Pope thinks. It has to do with basic respect for human life. Now, the federal payments to states prohibits federal funds made available to states through direct spending from being provided to a health care entity that will provide abortions on demand. And that's good, too. Reducing state Medicaid cost. It limits the effective date for retroactive coverage of Medicaid benefits provided in or after a certain time period under this new law with certain specific exceptions. It continues to require that states provide retroactive Medicaid coverage for services in or after the third month before the month of the application. And this is for recipients who are 65 years of age or older or who have some disability. But if you are not in this, then you can't go back six months. You can't say, and this is what the hospitals have been doing and, and doctor's offices to a smaller degree, is if somebody comes in and they don't have health insurance and they're eligible for Medicaid and it takes a while to get Medicaid and they're in the hospital for say 15 days and then they go home, they've applied for Medicaid, but it takes six months to get Medicaid in Florida. So the retroactive period that Medicaid would cover would be six months, and that would cover the hospital bill. Now the states have to do this within two or three months. So what's this going to do? It's going to make the states be more efficient because if they don't do it, all the hospitals in the state are going to be up at the Department of Health and up at the governor's office yelling and kicking and screaming and saying, what's the holdup here? Either give us a yay or nay on this guy so we can – get some cash out of him or send him to collection or write it off. We're trying to run a business here. We're in the business of providing health care. doesn't matter whether you're for-profit or not for-profit. doesn't matter whether you're BayCare or whether you're HCA, corporate entity. Both of these entities, one's for-profit, one not-for-profit, they're both trying to make money. They're both trying to make money. Their fees that they get paid from Medicare and Medicaid are essentially identical. 
and it's nonsense to let the states piddle around for six months, make them do this within two or three months. Otherwise, Medicaid's not going to retroactively pay for a hospitalization that occurred six months ago because somebody in the state house, somebody at the local level or the county level has been inefficient in processing these Medicaid claims or applications. Let's get on the stick. And there'll be eligibility redetermination for Medicaid every six months. That's a good thing. And there'll be a requirement that if you're not pregnant, you're not old, you're not disabled, you're not a child, that if you're on Medicaid, if you're, you know, healthy, over 21 or whatever the age is, 19 I think is the age here, that you have to get a job. You don't have to be employed full time. You don't have to go out and make $100 million a year, but you have to participate. You got to pick up a broom. You got to flip a burger. You got to be a security guard. You got to do something. That's what we want. Now, by the way, there's a good thing here. The alcohol and drug treatment programs are going to be given uh, a little special extra treatment, and people who are in rehab will be given special treatment. They'll be exempt from some of the requirements of Medicaid as long as they are in a program and making progress. So there's a stimulus there. Right now the stimulus is to get them in, detox them, and then boot them out to the county services. And guess what? It's making money for the hospitals and for a few doctors because they have a three-day window that they can, or four-day window, they can detox a patient in the hospital. And the hospital makes money, and the doctor gets a little bit. And then the patients are kicked out, and they have to go into whatever they can find out there and still meet all of the other requirements in order to be able to get their benefits that they need to survive while they're in transition. So this makes it mandatory and gives people who are truly trying to get over and uh, escape these addictions, gives them a little bit more of an opportunity. There's going to be a lot of new things in this plan, this program, and it will affect you and me, even if you're not on Medicaid, even, even if you're not on uh, an Obamacare exchange plan insurance policy. It's going to change the way that you and I look at health care. It's going to bring it home to you and me. It's going to make you and me more responsible for where our tax dollar goes and for how it's spent. And it's going to make it more responsible for the people who are recipients of the assistance, whether it's Medicaid or CHIPS or whatever it is, CHIPS is not going away, but Medicaid, uh, that they have to show some responsibility. They got to participate. You don't have to go out and work your butt off day and night, but you got to show me something, baby. You got to show me something that you're, that you're with me, that you're participating, that you're a meaningful member of society and not come to me with your hand out. I mean, we've got enough bums on the street here in St. Petersburg. God knows this, this crazy mayor has allowed them to come back out. We had gotten rid of them, and now they're back. What do I want to give these guys money for? 
They're just going to go out and spend it on alcohol and drugs. We need responsibility and accountability. That's my story today, folks. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD, and I want to thank everybody for being here. Bill, thanks. He's my wingman, and I'm out of here, Bill. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.